Hi, everybody. It's Michelle. Hi, Sherry and Bob and Ginny. How is everybody doing? Hey, Michelle. Hi, Ginny. Hi, Bob. Doing okay. Waiting to get started. So, Sherry, I, I saw about half of the Great Gatsby movie, and you're right. It's pretty good. And I was trying to figure out why it's so good. And I think what they did was they, they took the book and they made it into like a, a story that was really easy to follow. So it, it, I, I have about halfway to go, but you're right. It's, it, it is a pretty good movie. I think they took a, all the dialogue right from the book. Um, the story, as I remembered it, was the same as the movie. I just thought, I don't know, something about having the music and having the words spoken and acted just seemed to bring it alive for me. Well, the music is kind of interesting because they got, like, Jay-Z and Beyonce songs in the background. And I'm like, what's going on here, right? But um, I don't know. I, I you know, I, I, I know the story because I read the book a few times, but it just seems clearer to me than the book. And I'm not going to reread the book just to compare it to the movie. But like I said, it's pretty good so far. Yeah, I didn't think the music, the Jay-Z and Beyonce music was good. I, I meant just like sort of the background music. It just adds emotion to what they're acting or something like that. But, yeah, you're right. I'm not going to go back to the book either. I'll be anxious to hear what you think of it when you finish. You know, I, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Leonardo DiCaprio, but I think he's pretty good in this movie, I, I have to say. Um, I think all the actors that they pick so far who have the main roles are pretty good. So it's very involving. I mean, I, I've read the book at least two times, and I want to say more like four times, and I never could get into it. So you were, you were right. It is, it's a pretty good movie, definitely. Yeah, it's really interesting how much more it brings it to life. Because I'm like you, I've read the book at least twice, and both times it was like I was just glad it was short. I mean, I couldn't connect with Nick at all. But in the movie, I, I, it was just fun. I thought it was very good. Are you going to go to the Banquet of Books on Sunday? Are you planning on doing that, or you're not sure yet? I think so, although we're going out of town on Friday and we're planning on coming back on Saturday, but if something comes up and we decide to stay an extra day at my brother-in-law's, then I won't. But uh, right now I'm planning on it. Yeah, my sister's coming to visit on Sunday, but she always comes very early because my brother-in-law likes to get back early. So they usually come around like 11, 30, 12 o'clock, and then they usually leave maybe 3 o'clock or so. So I think I'm going to go. And let me let me see who's here. Hi, Don. Nice to have you here. Good evening. I hope everybody can hear me. Hey, Don, you sound great. Hi, this is Ginny. I wonder if I'm having good luck at this point. Ginny, you sound fantastic. Your microphone, I, actually, you're the clearest I've ever heard you. Your microphone is, is fabulous. We'll see how it goes. My speakers are the kind of check in and out. I need to replace them, but we'll see. Well, I'm very excited, Don, to read the Nixon book. It sounds very, very good. Have you started it, th that book yet? I'm on the last, the last few hours of it. Yes. <laughs> I think he's a very good topic for discussion. I think people are going to have a lot, a lot of opinions. I think about him. You know, what, from the book, and I think just in general. A lot of detail there, and uh, he does a lot of documentation, which of course he needs to do because he. Doesn't leave many stones unturned. Are you? Did you say you were going on a cruise soon? Is that is that where you're going in May? Yes, we're going to Hawaii. 
uh, cruise to Hawaii, and then they're making a brief stop in Ensenada, but that's just for, uh, I think, that so they don't have to pay minimum wage or something. I'm not sure what the reason is. I think you're right about the wages. <laughs> well, that sounds awesome. That would be great. to. Uh, I, we were in Hawaii once, not on a cruise. We just flew over and spent time there. It's a really awesome place. We're like the Mediterranean or something where you have a lot of stops and can visit a lot of different countries, but uh, this sounds fine. Hi, Joseph. Um, nice to have you here. Welcome. Hey, John. Welcome. Hey, John. What's up? It's Joseph. And uh, to the lady who said nice to have me here, I do not know your name, but thank you. Joseph, um, I'm Michelle Bernstein, and Sherry Wells and I are the moderators for this group. So, again, Michelle and Sherry, and we're both we're both delighted that you're you're joining us this evening. Thank you, John. What's up? How are you? Well, was that you say a Don or John? John, I thought I thought I saw John come in. Hello, guys. This is John. We'd like glad to be here. So, I was wondering if anybody has read this book. Um, I just read it from my library book group. It's called Hotel on the Corner of Bitter and Sweet. And I just finished it. And I know it's a really popular book. Has, has anybody else read it here? Yes, I read it, and I liked it a lot. In fact, I, it's been a long time since I've read it, but I'd like to read it again. I, I liked it quite a bit. He has a newer one out that I didn't like as well. I can't think of the name of it, but I can look it up. But I, I did like the hotel on the corner of Bitter and Sweet. thought it was a great book. Yeah, I liked all the historical aspects of it. It was really interesting. And I think his name is Jamie Ford. And I think um, I think some of the um, the stuff that in, this, in the book actually took place in his family's history or was kind of based on it and whatever. But it was, it was a really interesting book, actually. I, I liked it. I've heard people talk about this book for years and years, and sometimes I never get around to reading them until one of the, the groups that I belong to joins it. So it was, it was a good chance to read it. This is a Joseph. No, I can't say that I have not um, read it, but... Sounds interesting. Hotel on the corner on the corner of bitter and sweet. Hmm, has me wondering. Joni has entered the room. Hi, Joni. Hi, Joni. How you doing? Nice to have you here. Oh, thank you. I don't. Somebody said hi to me before you did, Michelle. Hi to everybody that's here. And uh, I was um, I was afraid that I couldn't get in. I was having a little trouble, but I rebooted, and now everything. Well, I spent this whole day reading this book because um, last night <laughs> I found out that it was going to be tonight, and I thought it was going to be a week from tonight, so I've been reading and reading and reading today. It snuck up really early because it's only the 8th, so it seems like it should be next week, and I, I think... Wow, I'm impressed, Joni. Way to go. And Joni, I have my book ready for Banquet of Books on Sunday, so we're we're all all set for that as well. Good, I'm glad to hear it. I hope that everybody will come. I hope we'll have a nice big crowd in Banquet on Sunday. But you know, whatever number we have, we're always glad that people come in. Yes, Joni, um, this is Sherry. I'm planning on being there too. Although my we're going out of town on Saturday, and so if something comes up and we stay longer than planned, I might not. But I've got my books picked out too. Oh, Sherry, I hope that you do come in. That'll be wonderful. Hi, um, Joni. You're always such a gracious hostess at the banquet. Um, 
Yeah, I've been kind of reading a lot of books by Lionel Shriver, and um, my opinions on them vary. But what an um, interesting writer. I um, Actually, it's a she wrote uh, so much about that. And then my favorite one so far that I'll probably be talking about at the banquet is Big Brother, which is an interesting novel um, in, uh, on the topic of um, obesity. But it's, it's fascinating about a lot of other things, too. It's really interesting. Well, first, hi, Jill. Nice to have you here. And Ginny, did you like Big Brother? Because I had so many problems with that book, especially the ending. And I know Sherry read it as well, and we were talking about it a little bit. So that'll be interesting to hear your your take on that story. Yes, Ginny. I, I really like that author, too. I read We Need to Talk About Kevin, which I liked a lot. And I liked Big Brother a lot, too, although I thought the ending was was really bad. But I had that on my list, but then I've since read two books I liked better, so it's moved down on my list for Banquet of Books. Yeah, I just really loved Big Brother. Um, having known some people um, with the, you know, the problem and of, um, uh, you know, wanting to eat more than they're supposed to eat, and of course it's a universal theme, you know, when we um, are tempted to do things we're not supposed to for our health. I love the book. Don't say anything more about the ending, because the ending is... Um, quite unusual, I thought. And I, what I liked about the book was I like her pithy insights, the way she strings words together. But more than that, um, a lot of research, I think, went into the book um, about, you know, which is really a contemporary issue, um, obesity and, you know, the spread of obesity. Just as in her previous book, she was dealing with uh, so much about that. It was dealing about another health issue. It's almost medical fiction about asbestos, you know, poisoning. So I loved, yeah, I really did like it. And I like the affection between the brother and sisters. I started out reading We Need to Talk About Kevin, and I really like that. And every book that I've read since, I've liked a little bit less and a little bit less and a little bit less. <clears throat> so obviously that means I I burned out on Shriver. And, you know, she reminds me a little bit of the way she picks her themes like Jody Pickle. You know, he tried to be current things, and I don't know. She's just, she's so typed, I think, now that um, she doesn't interest me anymore at all. Well, I read We Need to Talk About Kevin, and that book just really got to me. And I guess I didn't realize that um, Big Brother um, was written by the same author. And I downloaded Big Brother from Bookshare. Um, and it's one of the books that I've been meaning to read and haven't gotten to it. So I think that um, that might be um, almost the next book that I read. Maybe not the next book, but... but um, I do want to read it. Uh, uh, so, um, but I, I loved We Need to Talk About Kevin. I thought her writing was so strange. The story was so strange. The book was so strange. Um, but I really, I really liked it a lot. Well, I listened to Big Brother from, from Bookshare, and then it came on Bard pretty recently, so I didn't listen to it with the narrator, so I don't know how the narrator is for that book. But... You know what I had problems with was the fact with that story was I just didn't buy that the woman would leave her family because she was a stepmother and she had stepchildren and then go move in and just abandon them and go move in with the brother. I just couldn't like 
get my mind around that. So it just didn't make any sense to me. And also, I thought the diet that she put him on was so incredibly drastic. So I thought the author made a lot of really good points in, in the story, but like it just didn't make any sense to me, a lot of it. And somebody just came in, so let me see who that is. Three, well, of course, my thing is not working, but I'll, I'll check it out. Yeah, this is Jenny again. I agree with you. The diet was ridiculous, but keep in mind, a lot of people do go for that kind of very low-calorie diet. You know, I have a lot of interest in nutrition, and it's it's these people didn't seem to be especially well-schooled in medicine things. The people in the um, in the book, I mean, although they were you know intelligent and so on, but um, it's a typical course. A lot of people go down, I think, and. Um, I thought she, yeah, I thought a lot of the other points she brought up were pretty well done. and um, But definitely an odd and rather quirky book, you know. Has anyone done the post-birthday world yet? We That's that's on a book club in a couple of weeks, and I haven't read any of Shriver's books. The, the NLS annotation for this post-birthday world just totally turned me off to the point that I didn't think I would even want to read it. But I wonder if anybody's read it, and if so, what you think of it. Well, I didn't try that one. I tried game control, and I sort of abandoned it after a very short while. So some people really love Lionel Shriver. I mean, she has a lot of really devoted fans, and a lot of people really, really like her. She seems a little journalistic to me when I read her writing, I guess. But I've never read When We Talk About Kevin, and I think that's supposed to be her best book. But anyway, I'm going to get started with um, tonight's book discussion because it's about 9 o'clock now. So first I'm going to just mention that today is Tuesday, April 8th, and I I thank everybody for for coming in because I know it was a little confusing because the second Tuesday of the month came up very quickly this month. So um, I'm going to just read a little information about Anne Leary and then we'll get started. Um, Anne Leary is the author of two novels, The Good House and Outtakes from a Marriage. And Outtakes from a Marriage is available on Bookshare, as well as a memoir, An Innocent Abroad. And abroad is two separate words, which is also available on Bookshare. She's the co-host of the NPR weekly radio program, Hash Hags, which are both with H's. She's married to the actor and comedian Dennis Leary, and they have two children. Um, They met at Emerson College when she was a student in a graduate school course in comedy writing that he was teaching. They live on a small farm in Connecticut. Anne Leary is a volunteer EMT and also competes in equestrian events. Um, Anne Leary has recently admitted that she's a recovering alcoholic and has been sober for six years. Um, the book The Good House is being made into a film starring Meryl Streep as Hildy Good and Robert De Niro as Frank Getchell. And um, now I know Sherry wanted to say a few things, so I'm going to release the microphone. Well, I just was going to start by um, saying that uh, I really liked the book overall. I thought the narration, first-person narration from an alcoholic's viewpoint was excellent. It was fascinating to see her denial and her rationalizations of of uh, her problem. What did everybody else think? Oh, yeah. Well, her denial right through the book was just amazing, and even at the end, um, but she does go back to Hazleton, so... Um, that was a pretty good uh, sign that she 
although she was still in denial that at least she's trying to work on her uh, difficulties, but the the uh, the whole thing throughout the book with the the total denial and that she could drink even just a little bit of wine and then she would end up getting drunk and and all the hiding the rationalizations. Um, uh, but you know what? I think part of the problem is that I don't think a 28-day stay in a facility like that is enough. Well, I, I had a lot of reactions, actually, to this to this story. Um, I, I have to say, in, in my own personal life, I've not had any exposure to alcoholism, which I think is probably unusual. Um, nobody in my family is an alcoholic. I've, I've not had any close friends who are alcoholics. Um, I had one friend whose husband was an alcoholic, but I didn't really know him particularly well. Um, so it, I was really interested in reading all about the whole experience of alcoholism, and it seemed authentic to me. And when I read in interviews that she, her, Anne Larry, is a recovering alcoholic, I thought it probably was based somewhat on her own you know, impressions of, of, of that experience. So that I thought was really good. And I really liked the relationship that Hildy and Frank had. I really liked Frank as a character, and I liked their relationship. And um, the, what I had a lot of problems with were some of the secondary characters. Um, I didn't really understand why Rebecca and Peter were shown as such extreme characters and I guess being in such a small town, particularly with Peter, it sort of struck me as odd that he had all these extreme behaviors, but nobody in the town seemed to know about it because they, it seemed to be a very close-knit community. So um, I liked some of the book, and some of the book I, I, I had problems, I think, relating to. I, I agree. I loved the, the Hildy character. I mean, she just seemed so right to me. Her her denial, her rationalizations. I, I'm not that familiar with alcoholism either, but it, it was just so totally believable to me that that she was just the focus of the book for me. But I, I just didn't get the connection with the the Peter Rebecca story, why it was there, how it connected up. Maybe it was almost to focus the whole book on Hildy. There wasn't enough there, so she had to flesh it out with this other plot. I don't know, but it. it that part of the book to me was very weak and, and didn't connect up with, with the, the story that I really liked, which was Hildy and her problems. I really love the end of the book. I mean, I, I thought that made the whole book. It, it just seemed so believable that she finally had something that really mattered to her. Uh, and, you know, she certainly had Frank to, to thank for it. Um, I, I, I just... I just finished that book with a smile because I thought, that's good. Now she's really on her way. Yeah, I liked the ending, too, although I was a little bit concerned that maybe she went back to rehab because of Frank, which frequently, you know, if you're not ready to kick the problem for yourself, it might not work long term. But I'll try to be optimistic and think that everything will work out for the two of them. Can you hear me? Yes, hi, LaDon. We can hear you fine. I thought that... Uh 
the, the reading about her alcoholism and her excuses for drinking was a real hard problem for me. I keep wishing, boy, don't do that. Don't do that. Don't take that other, that other drink. And then I was surprised at the end, you know, when uh, she was offering the pills. You didn't know whether the pills were for her headache or for her drinking or to do her in. Well, it certainly crossed my mind that he might be trying to do her in. Oh, yeah. I thought so, definitely, because um, he, was, uh, he, he was so threatening to her and everything. But the whole thing with Rebecca and, and Peter, just, I don't know. Um, I, I agree that um, I didn't know the purpose of her being there. It seemed like a, a little extraneous. Um, the things kind of started out, but they didn't go anywhere with Rebecca. Um, okay, he was. She claimed that he was stalking her. Um, he claimed she was. He was. Yeah, I can't talk. He claimed she was stalking him, uh, and then it just kind of fell flat for me. I also thought that the book was a little bit longer than it needed to be. I thought she went into a lot of detail um, about all the extraneous people, but I don't know, parts of it fell flat, but I also smiled at the end of it and was very glad that things, uh, that she did uh, go to rehab, and who knows uh, how she would do after she came back because as I said I think that a 28 day program which is what a lot of places have I guess most places have and I, I think that it's just not long enough well there, there was a lot of problems with the relationship between Peter and Rebecca starting with the fact that he was her doctor even if he was her doctor for a short period of time even if he only saw her once um, you know he, within a matter of days or weeks, was, was sleeping with her, which, you know, was not exactly the way it should be. So it just seemed, um, you know, and the stuff that with the town and everything, I, I liked the beginning of the story where she was showing what the town was like and the characters, and then later on there was a party or something later on in the story. So you sort of got the feel of, of the community a little bit, you know, from, from these events and also from the story um, with the with the young boy um, who was developmentally disabled. Um, you did get the sense that this was a town that would come together to help people, and, and I think that was what she was trying to convey with, with it. But... Um, Hilti, I thought, was really the, the center of the book, and I think, you know, I think that's what, what was really the core story was her experience and how she was denying everything and just just the, the whole process with that. And, um, you know, I, I hope that her and Frank would end up together. It seemed like they were heading that way. It was a nice relationship. I like to see, you know, I don't, I don't always want to hear about couples in their 20s. It was nice to hear about a couple in their 60s, you know, that they were together. Um, and um, he seemed to really care about her, and I think she really cared about him too. Um, I wasn't as much sure about her feelings for him, but 
you know, it was there were some really good things in the story. I will confess that I like like the book, and when she was uh, uh, divining people's thoughts and making them think that she was reading her mind, I thought, man, what a poker player she would be, and. Uh, when, and toward the, toward the end, when she blacked out, and uh, there was damage to her car, and she didn't know, and the little boy was missing, I wondered, did she really hit that little boy? What did you think? I was so afraid that that was going to be the case, and I, I would have been really angry because that's such a cliche. I was really glad to find out that he had wandered off and and he was found and he was okay and everything. I, I'm really glad they didn't. She didn't play that card with having her hit him with the car. Yeah, but you know that was that was part of the story that I didn't understand because Peter committed suicide and he was the one that they found, and I just didn't understand why he did it. I mean, did he do it so that his family could have insurance money? Was that a good enough motivation for them? And I think she just put that in so that it wouldn't be the young boy who was found dead. So it wouldn't be that, that kind of cliche. And so that the reader would be scared and think that, yes, she had killed this boy, but then it turned out that she didn't. So there were like some of those kind of loose ends that I, I wasn't so crazy about. Yes, hi, this is Jenny. Yes, I really did like um, the book very much. Um, it was <coughs> interesting to hear her portrait of the town. The town, in the end, kind of gave me a kind of creepy, claustrophobic feeling. Uh, Hildy was very isolated. I mean, it, she really, you know, became very secretive. It, usually in these rehab situations, they want you to have, a, you know, a support group um, to, you know, keep your recovery going. Um and about the dangling loose ends of the plot, that was very interesting. I thought, well, okay, the author could say, well, this was told from the point of view of a, an alcoholic, and so some things are not very clear to her, you know. Um, but I, I wondered about the suicide. For a while I thought, okay, did someone do him in? You know, Frank was so amazingly protective, but, you know, he was obviously a sound person, but did he... Um, you know, he was kind of intervened that time when Peter was um, about to give some pills to Hildy, and I thought that was a really terrifying scene. I thought that he had some, you know, plans to um, take her out of the picture. And then Frank turns up on the scene kind of to protect her. And so um, that was, and then the final, one of the dangling things was, well, okay, if, um, what what did cause the damage to Hildy's car, you know, it, you know, what did happen? And so there were those things that were a little frustrating for me. Well, I really didn't like the fact that Peter gave her pills. I thought that was incredibly irresponsible. He knew that she was drinking. He saw all the bottles. And it just, you know, he's saying, well, don't drink. Just take this, you know, uh, anti-anxiety medicine instead. So it just seemed so stupid because if she mixed the pills with the alcohol, she could kill herself. Um, but one of the things that I wondered what all of you thought was, did you find Hildy and or Rebecca to be sympathetic or unsympathetic characters? Because I had a really hard time deciding with both of them, if I if I found them to be sympathetic or, or if I thought of them as, as unsympathetic characters? Well, Rebecca was only interested in Rebecca. She was, um, um, I didn't particularly like her. Um, she um, 
was, uh, I mean, she just would leave her kids at the drop of a hat and, and want to be with Peter and, and probably would have, uh, to be with Peter, she would have just totally uh, left everything so that she could be with him. Um, I think the, the uh, Peter giving her the pills, as you said, Michelle, was totally bad, but that's where I thought that he was going to kill her, mixing the, the uh, alcohol and the, the uh, Xanax, I think that was that he, he gave her. Um, I liked Hildy a lot. Um, Rebecca, she was like, she really was a spoiled rich kid, and um, um, it always had to be her way. And I really thought Rebecca might have committed suicide because she was so desperately um, stalking Peter. And so I, I almost thought that she would be the one to commit suicide, but it was Peter. I think Peter just didn't know what to do after a while. And the easiest thing for him was to just call it quits and leave. And... Uh, because he was so afraid that his cover would be blown, that it would be found out that he was sleeping with the patient, and that's how he solved his problem. Well, I think that um, Hildy was more likable than Rebecca, even though Hildy was, in many ways, I think, not that likable. I mean, she wasn't that wonderful to her daughters, and she was, you know, but she had a certain something about her that made her likable. And I actually thought Rebecca was bipolar because she, she I didn't really see her as spoiled. I saw her more as, as ill because she did very risky behavior. Like she rode her horse really recklessly and she couldn't calm herself down and she was stalking Peter. And all these kind of things, I thought that she was bipolar. I, I, I really did. I thought she was like a little manic. And I, in a way, I felt bad for her because she was married to this man. He sort of left her there, even though I know she wanted to be in the country. He didn't seem really involved in her. And I thought she might actually be ill. And and um, and that's what I kind of... So I, I tended to, to view her in a, a sympathetic way, but I could see how people wouldn't like her. And Hildy, I thought was was sympathetic, but and she was she was just an easier person, an easier character, I think, to like. Even though in person, I don't I don't know if I would have liked her that much, actually. But didn't it seem out of character for Hildy to have been willing to go to this rehab thing because her daughters pushed her into doing it? I mean, I, that just didn't seem to me the way she would have reacted in the first place. That bothered me right from the beginning. Well, I think she was forced into it. I think her daughters um, um, were not going to take no from her. And she went, but she didn't really work the program uh, that much. I mean, she thought that uh, and, and then she never would, would go to the AA meetings. But in that little town, I think there was just one meeting. Um, I mean, it, it wasn't like 
she could really go and be anonymous. Um, but I think that with the intervention, um, she couldn't say, no, I'm not going. I think she, she went uh, kicking and screaming to it. I thought she was getting sicker, like she was having hallucinations and things like that towards towards the end. So I thought that might have motivated her to take the program more seriously than she did earlier. I think earlier, you know, she just thought she had it under control. She went, but then she was busy drinking wine on her own in the house. And, you know, that didn't really count because it was only wine and then she was in a stressful situation at that Thanksgiving meal, so she decided it was time to have a little vodka. And, you know, it escalated and escalated and escalated, and eventually I think she got sicker and sicker. And I also thought maybe the influence of Frank helped her, you know, to want to pull herself together a little bit. So, And I think the author probably wanted to end the book in a way that you thought that it was all going to, you know, sort of work out in the end, um, that she was going to get the help that that she really needed and she was going to take her problems seriously. So that's how how I saw the story. Tildy didn't – she didn't take the first rehab stint seriously. She was just there and it was just sort of a thing to do. But the second time she went on her own, she decided to go, and that's why I think the second time it took – yeah, Rebecca, Frank Frank sort of had Rebecca, you know, he didn't have the right terms. He he wouldn't have known to say she's bipolar. He just said she's crazy, she's nuts, because he didn't know how to put it, but, but he saw the mental instability. Uh, I liked Hildy because you wanted her to to get her head together and stop the, the denial. Rebecca was also deluding herself, except I think Rebecca was manipulative, uh, she was she was manipulating others to to do what she wanted. So that's where Rebecca's problems were so serious that she was in denial too. In a way, oh Peter's going to marry me, and yes, and yes, and yes. But but she was just trying to get others to to she, she was controlling. I think of she tried to get Hildy to intervene with Peter and all kinds of things. So Hildy was a sympathetic character to me, but Rebecca was not. Well, Rebecca, I think, I mean, Rebecca can, you know, a person can be bipolar and spoiled, and that's what Rebecca was. Uh, I believe that she was uh, bipolar. Um, she could take responsibility for the, uh, for taking care of the horses, um, but she really couldn't take care of herself. I mean, and, and I think one of, one of the themes in this book totally is denial. I mean, Hildy and Rebecca were both in denial. Um, yeah, I, I think I re- I did like this book, but there were things about it that didn't uh, quite uh, ring true for me. Well, I, I think, and I don't know that this was the intention of the author, but I think that it was it was interesting to me to see both of these characters because they both had I thought pretty severe problems but one of them you thought with Hilda you thought that it was going to end optimistically and with Rebecca I really wasn't sure because um, you know bipolar illness uh, manic depression is a pretty serious condition and it's not a condition if you're in a manic state that you can necessarily help yourself a lot of times you really need 
you know, a family member, you, you need some, some real serious um, assistance because you don't always recognize exactly what, like people that are in that state, they, they're a little bit out of control, and she was definitely out of control because, yes, she did take care of the horses, but if you remember, there was that couple at the function who really knew about horses, and they were saying, look how she's riding, she's really, really acting very dangerously. So I think she was getting worse as, as the book went along. And I think it would have been better if her husband you know, or somebody intervened and, um, and helped her. And I think the story was set up in a way that I thought, at least, that Rebecca and Hildy were going to be drinking buddies. That's how I thought it was going to be in the beginning. But then it just went in two totally different directions. So... Um, the, the Rebecca Peter story almost seemed like it was a different book. It was, it was a really, really different story, and I don't think it added much to the small-town flavor of the story. So it was, you know, it was, it was a, I think the Hildy book was, a, was, the Hildy part of the story was better thought out, and, um, and the Rebecca Peter story, I thought, wasn't really as, as well thought out in, in the book. Yeah, I didn't think Rebecca was as well-developed of, of a character. One thing that crossed my mind is that the author might have been trying to contrast Rebecca's obsession with Peter as an addiction in itself in the same way that Hildy's addiction to alcohol was there. And in a way, it you could kind of look at it that way, although they certainly had different characteristics. I thought Peter killed himself because he couldn't, he knew Rebecca was going to expose him, and he couldn't deal with the notoriety that it would have caused his family. And I, if, if I remember right, he was up for some promotion or something, and he was afraid he wouldn't get it if Rebecca exposed him. And he seemed pretty high-strung himself. So, uh, I, Am I on? I found that uh, Rebecca was a very needy person. I've known people uh, like, somewhat like that before. And Hildy was a... Uh, troubled person who had slipped into alcoholism like so many people do, starting out as a social drinker and then drinking more and more to make herself feel good. But in the end, I thought that uh, there was more hope for her because she went for rehabilitation on her own, but that course was no guarantee people do fall back into alcoholism after treatment. Uh, Again, but she had a real reason after this shock to go there and get herself straight. Um, first, I want to say hi, Leela. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. Um, and also, I wondered what you all thought about the small town atmosphere in the story because it was, it was an interesting place, and it seemed like a lot of people in this town had secrets. And I, I sort of wondered throughout the story, like Frank seemed to kind of have his pulse on on the community and what was going on. And did you think that people knew more about Hildy? Than, I mean, do you think she was really successfully keeping her drinking a secret? Um, or do you think people, or, or even though she was just drinking at home, like how much do you think people really knew about Hildy? Uh, you know, did you have a sense that they that they really knew what was going on, or, or she kept it sort of a secret? She thought she was hiding it. That was her whole thing. Well, nobody's nobody's going to know because I'm drinking in private. She thought she was hiding it, but I don't know how successfully she was hiding it. Hi, guys. Um, I thought this next Tuesday was the second Tuesday, and... 
Uh, I started reading the book, but I didn't even get far enough to even talk about it. So I got messed up. Sorry about that. That's okay, Leela. I said that in the beginning. I said everybody's getting messed up because it's so early in the month that you feel like next week is the second Tuesday. So it's totally not a problem, not a problem at all. But it's nice that you're here. Uh, Don, I, you, did you have anything, comments? I noticed we're all talking, but you haven't said anything yet. Did you get a chance? Do you have an opinion? Yes. Uh, well, I only got three hours because it got me too. I got. I started reading yesterday. Got three hours into the book, and so I. I really don't have too much. It's a well-written book, and uh, maybe I'll continue. I spent a good part of my life being supported by alcoholics as a social worker <laughs> and rehab counselor. But uh, the, the the she these middle class or upper middle class types, I've never worked with. John, did you find the alcoholism portrayal so far in the book, do you find it to be accurate? Because like I said in the beginning, I I don't really have any exposure to alcoholism. Um, I I don't know how because everybody else seems to, but I I actually don't. And it seemed realistic to me, but I wondered, um, you know, how how realistic it really is in the story. Well, this is Sherry. I used to work with in psychology, and I worked with a lot of alcoholics and this seemed extremely realistic to me. And the upper and middle class and upper middle class alcoholics, it's easier for them to hide their problem because they have the money to, you know, buy their alcohol or have it delivered. And I, I, I did find the denial and rationalization very realistic, with at least with the people I used to see. I, I agree. It, it was definitely, she, you have a DUI and a couple other instances she had. It, it, there was no question that she... She had a drinking problem and a dangerous one. Um, uh, my experience was uh, when you live in Skid Row, you, you can't hide it very well. But in a small town, you can't hide it, by the way. I think the town knew about it. It just had to be because a small town, that's what they do is they talk about each other. Well, one of the things I wondered was she was ordering her wine, I guess, by the case and having it delivered. And that was the part that I wondered how people didn't know what she was up to because somebody had to be delivering this wine to her. I know she wasn't buying it at the local liquor store, but I would have thought somebody would have, you know, I don't know. People seem to know, so that was that was kind of interesting. And um, another thing that Sherry mentioned, which I'm going to just uh, – say, which was in the story where's, um, where Hildy said she was born three drinks short of comfortable, which was an interesting way to, to explain that. And I was really thinking about that a lot because I think that's something that alcoholics might say. They might say they drink because they have social anxiety and it relaxes them. And alcohol obviously, you know, relaxes people when you're in a social situation. But, um, Hilti said in the book, she said that she doesn't understand people who drink a glass or two of wine and then switch to water. And I was also thinking about that as well because I'm one of these people who drinks a glass or two of wine and then switches to water. So I don't know if these are just things that people say or, you know, if it's just part of, of the disease of alcoholism. I, I, I don't know. It was interesting. Yeah, I really did love that line, three drinks. I was born three drinks short of comfortable. I think a lot of people that do have somewhat social anxieties do drink to just get a slight buzz on and 
enjoy their evening, but obviously people like Hildy can't stop. And I think everybody in town knew she was an alcoholic. You could tell from what Peter said that he certainly knew, and I think everybody in town knew. It's just that nobody's going to tell her that to her face for the most part. Um, even though I didn't read the story, you were uh, asking about how could people not know when she got a case of wine delivered. Um, you know, lots of of my in-laws and, and stuff, like you said, too, you drink wine as well. So maybe they were just thinking, oh, well, maybe she's just socially having friends over and drinking. Because and, I know that um, when we're at my in-laws, uh, we always have wine or something like that. So maybe they just thought, oh, she's socially drinking with her friends or something. Like I said, I didn't read the story, so I don't know. Just a guess? Well, I think she ordered the um, wine online, if um and um, so ordering it that way, um, people might not know that it was wine, and then she hid it in the uh, in the cellar. And so um, she she thought she was hiding it from people, but of course um, she wasn't. But people didn't want to say right to her face. You're drinking too much because nobody really knew how much. Well, my brother actually orders, he lives in New Jersey, he orders wine from California and it comes, you know, in a big box. And, um, you know, somebody has to deliver it. So I thought in a small town like this, you know, the guy who delivers it or the woman who delivers it, I don't know, somebody would see it, you know, all these cases of wine being delivered. So that was like just one little tiny minor detail that I thought to myself, you know, she's hiding it in her house, but, you know, didn't anybody ever see, you know, or, or you know, ever question why she's getting so many boxes or whatever. So I don't know. I mean, that was just, that was, you know, I don't think she was having it delivered to her office. I think it was, it was going to her house and she worked. I mean, she was a real estate broker. So I don't know. It would just, that, that part of the story was a little detail, but it just didn't really make that much sense to me, I guess. Yes, hi, this is Ginny. Um, I actually have a close relative that has drinking problems, and um, a lot of this did bring really true. Um, it when, when I look at Hildy's case, I think she said in the book that she was shy, and it's possible that she started drinking just to get into these social situations, and then it, it took on a life of its own. And there's a, lots of theories about why some people whether it's um, chocolate chip cookies or wine, why they can stop, and other people have a really hard time stopping. So um, she seemed to think a lot about keeping her cover. You know, I, I can't remember. She had some um, explanation. She kept it, her wine in the cellar, and as a real estate agent, she could legitimately say she was having parties. Another thing, and I don't mean to be cynical here, but a lot of times people know there's a problem, but they may not want to get involved. They don't know what the repercussions are going to be or if they're going to be helpful or they just may back off, you know, knowing there's a problem but looking the other way. Yeah, she fired her assistant who helped get her into rehab, so it doesn't pay. 
but I think we all have people that we like, and I'm always amazed that they don't like cough or, you know, I don't know. It just seems like when I'm talking or I'm, I'm trying to read something, I, 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 they just do it so smoothly. So it's, it's, it's a real skill, I have to say. It's a real talent. Oh, they cough and they do all kinds of other sounds, but with the editing, they're all, all those sounds are eliminated. Except I think sometimes I can hear pages being turned. But um, um, when Talking Books first started and they had to read them onto discs, um, if they made a mistake, they would have to start the disc all over again. Um, I, I was at a presentation that Alexander Scorby gave, and he said that you know he'd be reading along and make a mistake and it would be 14 minutes of the 15-minute recording that had passed, and he'd make a little blooper or a little cough or something, and they'd say, sorry, Alex, you have to redo it all over again. Well, they couldn't possibly read eight hours. They, of course, they, they read the book in advance, I would suspect, or the material they're going to read and uh, mark it and whatever figure out whether they can pronounce the words or the names and so on. Well, I went to, when Bonnie was doing the Books and Beyond, I went to some of the programs where she had narrators, and that was one of the questions that I always asked them, is what kind of preparation did they do? And a lot of them, I was really amazed, they, 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 when they're reading the book, this is the first time that they actually read the book, because I would have thought they would have taken the book home and read it and, you know, look for words they couldn't pronounce correctly and whatever, but a lot of them said they just read it for the first time because they wanted to have, I don't know, have it be fresh or whatever the reason was they wanted it, so that was pretty good, you know, because it really sounded like it wasn't their first time. What amazes me is I admire the way that the narrators that read, such as Martha Harmon Party, their languages... They know French. They know, like, oh, who was it that read um, um, that actor book? Um, oh, oh, I can't think of what it was called. Uh, oh, American Dervish. Um, he knew. I didn't read it all in uh, in Bard, but what I did, it was really cool. I actually read it, some of it in Bard, just for the pronunciations of the words. And he knew the language. He knew how to say the words. And like Martha Harmon Party, she knows French. She knows, I, you know, they know, it's awesome. It's like, wow. Oh, you know, I agree with you. But the guy that read American Dervish, Oh my gosh, he just, he switched the languages around and he was so, well, I mean, I, I was so impressed with him. He was a fantastic reader. I think it was a little like the movies, take one, take two. Alexander Scorby tells a lot of stories. Uh, he he didn't read ahead. He read his books cold, and of course he was one of the best readers ever. But he got he said he got about 200 pages into a book, and discovered that one of the characters had a thick German accent because it said in there he said in his thick German accent, and he hadn't been using one. And the other story that he tells is that. He kept messing up this 15-minute recording and had to do it over and over and over and over. And he finally got all the way through it, and then he hadn't said 
this book is continued on the other side of the record, and they finally had to just put that in real quickly, and everybody said, you know, he, he thought maybe he had died and gone to hell, and this was his punishment to keep reading this one passage over and over and over. Yeah, a lot of people that are on here don't remember when, or maybe several of us do, when the end of the record would come, and they would say, this book is continued on the other side of this record, and this book is continued on the next record. And it was very interesting. I, I, I guess I'm a reactionary. I miss the readers from the olden days. I think they really were better. They were radio actors, many of them, or radio announcers, or uh, Broadway actors, and they... Um, there are many good readers today, but there, <clears throat> there are many that are not. I see that 12 Years a Slave is available on Bard now, but the reader is, I think his name is Bob Moore, and he's an awful reader. So I think I'll read it on Bookshare. I was very disappointed to see that he's reading it. Well, one of the things that I don't particularly like is, like, if a book is set in London then the reader feels that they have to do a British accent. And that kind of irks me, because if they don't have a natural British accent, I'm not sure why they feel they have to do a British accent. We know that the story is set in London, or in fact, there's a book, I'm not going to tell you the name, but we're going to be reading it ahead in, in the next couple of months, and the main character is from the South, and the reader, it was really grating on me in the beginning because the reader felt that she had to do this very, very strong southern accent. And I know that the character's from the south. And it just was driving me crazy because it was just getting in the way of the story. So sometimes I think, you know, I, I, I just want them to do it flat. And, you know, I, I just, just their regular voice. I don't want them to take on, like, a very strong accent. I like, I, I actually love a British accent, I love an Australian accent, but if, if that's how the person naturally speaks, not if it's, you know, if they're American and they're trying to be Australian, I'm not thrilled when they, when they read it that way. That's funny that you bring that up, Michelle, because um, I was talking, we were, I was in another book club recently, and we were also talking about narrators, and her and I agreed we don't like when the male narrators do the women falsetto. Ah, that just drives me crazy. And hold on, I have to find the talk button to stop it. Sorry. While we're waiting, uh, there's a lot of different accents you'll find in London. I'll tell you, they're all British, but they're... Yorkshire and Devonshire and all kinds of accents I wouldn't even try to pronounce. I, for one, do like the accents. <clears throat> now, I'm not real familiar with every accent, so if they had an accent that's not really real, how would I know? And I do like the accent. Yeah, I don't mind the accents if they're done well. If they're done noticeably bad, there was this was a book from the public library that was on audio, and it was a bad guy, but he sounded like a bad imitation of Dracula, and it was really distracting from the book, and it was a very poor attempt at an accent. 
Well, I, I used to use recordings for the blind for a lot of courses I was taking, and, and uh, those readers weren't always great. Some of those commercial uh, books that Bart is beginning to carry have really good readers on them as well. I think Audible is giving them a lot of competition for hiring the good readers. I, I, I think that's where the pay may be better. Oh, Don, recording for the blind readers. Oh, my God. Some of them were so bad. I always tell the story the books on tape from the prisons. In California, at least, there's two of the prisons, that, and they're so proud of it. I hate to uh, do it, but uh, one reader, I don't know what it was, but he paused at the end of every line. You could tell it and not at the sentence, and I used to have to speed it up or to, to disguise it. it was, uh, he read all these Tillerman novels, which were nice, but uh, not his reading. Joni, by the way, I have to tell you, I remember the records, and I also remember the flimsy um, plastic, or I don't, I don't know if that they were plastic. They're like they weren't paper, but they weren't really. I don't know what they were. Anyway, they were very flimsy. You could bend them back and forth and stuff like that. And uh, those are really cool. I read a book. Um, it was a really good book, and I can't find it because I'd love to reread it. Um, it was something about. Uh, the Life of Little Gloria Vanderbilt. It was a really good book. Oh, I read that. Was it called Double Exposure? I read that in Braille. That was the most fascinating book. Um, but, well, you had the flexible discs, but then also when I was um, uh, going through school, the um, we would get books sometimes on Soundscriber records. They would use... Um, like a dictaphone type of thing called the Soundscriber machine. And those records, you had to put a quarter or a nickel on the tone arm or else the um, needle would just skip across the record. And uh, you're trying to study, you're trying to read a book for class, and then it goes, with, there it goes across the record. You had to hold the thing down with your fingers. Oh, my gosh. Sometimes I wonder how I ever did get through school. I'm, you know, I'm thinking that that book was called Little Girl Lost. You know, I, I think I know which book you're talking about, and I'm going to have to look it up, but I, I, I vaguely think that might be the name of it, but I, I, I can't say for sure the one about Gloria Vanderbilt. I know that, um, oh, my goodness, it was narrated by Jill somebody. And she narrates a lot of books, actually. I like her. Um, she has this real distinct voice. And it was about Gloria Vanderbilt as a little girl. And I think um, how something happened to where she was almost kidnapped. So the guards had to carry her. And they also told about Wallace and, uh, oh, it was in England. Um, who was it? Simpson or something like that. And... It was a really, really good book. It was a lot of little flimsy discs, though. I remember that. And it was really, really good. And it's funny because I, of course, read that when I was a little girl, actually. And I'm really surprised they sent me that. But it was a really good book. One that I, like I said, remember. And, gosh, I wish it wasn't called The Life of Glory. No, maybe you're right. Maybe it was. I can't remember. Anyway, I know I'd love to read it, and it's probably not on Bard or I don't even know if it's in print anymore. I don't. 
Well, I just looked up Fast on Bard, and there is a book called Little Gloria on Bard, and the reader is Jill Ferris. So I'm not sure if that's the book, but you could listen to a few minutes of it and see if, and see if that's it. Hi. Hi, Michelle. Yeah, that was just right before you said that. That was my memory was recovering it. It was Little Gloria. And what was especially nice about that book was it not only told about her life, but it talked about the whole world that she grew up in and a very different world, you know, um, a lot of luxuries, but then a lot of deprivation, as I recall. It's been a long time, but it was a fascinating book, I thought. Well, speaking of other books, I wanted to let you guys know what our next book is, and we, then we can continue to talk if we like. I'm going to put it in the um, window at the top, but it's Night Road by Kristen Hanna. That's K-R-I-S-T-I-N, and her last name is Hanna, H-A-N-N-A-H. And the DB number is 73536. That's 73536. And again, I'll put it up in the chat window. Um, this is a family saga. Um, I think John Wheedling inter- reviewed this on DB Review um, and did an excellent job of, of covering it. It's how people deal with a tragedy and um, how the various people in the book deal with it. I, I thought it was an excellent book, so hopefully people will like it. Well, I'm looking forward to this one because I've never read anything by Kristen Hanna, and I know she's immensely popular. So, And also, when I looked at the Bard annotation, I was delighted because they didn't give any spoilers in the annotation. <laughs> Usually when there's a tragedy, I sort of get a hint in the annotation what the tragedy is, but I have absolutely no idea what the tragedy is, so it's going to be a total surprise for me. I did read this. It, uh, it's excellent. What a good choice. Oh, it's it really is a good book. When is the next meeting? Does anybody happen to know whether they are literally pay MLS staff to write these blurbs that they do? Are they getting them someplace else now? Does anyone really know this for sure? That's an excellent question. I actually thought the NLS annotation should not have mentioned that there was a tragedy at all. I thought that gave away too much, but I'm really pretty obsessive. I never read the book jacket information, for example. I always just figured they pulled the annotation from the book jacket information, but I really don't know. As far as the date, um, the date is May 13th. Uh, That's Tuesday, May 13th, second Tuesday in May for the next meeting. Yeah, it, it is. I was going to say it's May 13th, so I think it's actually five weeks from now, not not four weeks, which is really good. And I don't know how I know this, but I remember talking to somebody, and I'm pretty sure that the people that do the annotations get their information from, like, book jackets and things like Publishers Weekly and, and those kind of materials. And I think they look at a couple of sources before they do the annotation, but obviously they, they haven't read most of these books. So, you know, the annotations are kind of tricky. I, I really, I, I, you, you want to have enough information that you know whether you want to read the book or not, but I can't stand when they give away the story. I, I want to have, I, you know, I don't want to know the whole story before that's it, but I, I'm pretty sure that that's, that's, they get their information from sources like the book jacket and, and you know, Publishers Weekly and those kind of things, and that's how they create the annotations. But you feel like maybe they haven't, they don't know anything about the book because um, sometimes the, <clears throat> the annotation is so different from what the book really is. 
you wonder if it's the, the same book. Well, I, I find that at least the history ones generally seem to be pretty good, but I'm sure they read the, uh, the book reviews on it and the book jacket, and that's pretty easy. A novel or fiction is a lot harder to pick out the essence of what's, what's there, I'm sure. Sorry, Don. You were sounding so good, but whatever you just said, I I don't know about everybody else, but I could I couldn't hear you. That's because I put my mic up out of the way. I'm sorry. I I, I thought the history ones were generally pretty good, but uh, they seem to get the main points. But they they obviously uh, get get the reviews and either subscribe to High Beam and get the listing of the various reviews on, on the better better read ones anyway. Has anybody read like a few books by Christian Hanna? What what kind of writer is she? Does she do family stories mostly, or? Well, I've read quite a few books of hers. Um, some are good. Some are not so good. Um, she did a uh, series. Uh, well, not uh, well. Two books. Is that a series? I guess so. Um, Firefly Lane and Fly Away. The first book is excellent. The second book, um, I felt that it was a little overkill. Um, that it was it, it didn't the, the the sequel to Firefly Lane, uh, Fly Away, was not as good as Firefly Lane. Um, but Night Road is really really good. Um, um, she's a little uneven. I mean, some books are better than others. Um, but basically, I guess I would say I like her work. Uh, she writes about families, yeah. Thank you. That, that, that's what I thought, actually. You know, since, since we have a minute, since we're all here, do any of you ever write to your local libraries and, like, request books? And, and if you've ever done so, have you ever been successful in getting the books read that you've requested? A resounding silence. Do you mean, oh, for instance, one day I actually got a book in print that I wanted read and I actually it wasn't mine so I I borrowed it but I gave it to the library and asked them if they could read it um, for me and I'll be darned if they didn't and they gave it to me and I didn't have to pay anything oh hi this is Jenny Um, about Bookshare I did request a book um, that was an e-book A Cry Purple by Christine McDonald and um, I you know I, I I went through the process, and they had the book about three months later. So I was really glad to read that. Oh, Bookshare does it really all the time. I mean, 